Welcome to the Encounter Christian Church Message Podcast, where we bring you the latest messages from our Sunday services. To find out more about Encounter or to plan your visit with us, you can find us online at www.encounter.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. My message today is Encounter Church, you as an individual, arise and shine, for your light has come out of the shadows. You know, don't live in the back blocks anymore. Don't be afraid to step out into the light. And so my message today is focusing on that. And that it doesn't take a lot. You don't have to be a superhero to do something for God. You don't have to be an awesome speaker. You don't have to have incredible abilities. God can take a little. You might say, I don't have much. And that's true. We all of us, we don't have much. But God can take the little that you give him and he can make it become great. He can make it become much. You know, there's a Bible, a story in the Bible where a little boy gave loaves and fishes to Jesus, just this little bit. And Jesus fed multitudes, three, 4,000 people. So God can take your little bit when you surrender to him and he can make it do great things. It's not about your gift. It's about you just giving it to him. He's the one that brings increase. He's the one that multiplies. My first point today is a little salt goes a long way. So we're going to be talking about salt and light today, if it's okay. A little salt goes a long way. And we're going to read from a book in the New Testament called Matthew, first book of the Bible. Matthew, for those people who aren't church attendees normally, is one of the disciples of Jesus. He was a young guy who followed Jesus for three years. And this is his gospel. And he's quoting the words of Jesus here. He says in Matthew 5.13, and he's talking about you. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything. It's said to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. So if you leave your salt in, in a container for like a year and it just sits there, well, it goes dormant. It, it's, it loses its saltiness. And God's saying, you're the salt of the earth. You're the, you are salt. You are life to this earth. And he wants your gift to be out flowing out of you what does salt do oh and let me first say you don't need much salt do you a pinch of salt over a big a whole meal a pinch of salt a couple of pinches will flavor that whole meal sometimes less is better isn't it especially with salt you put too much salt on a meal it tragic it wrecks your steaks a little bit goes a long way so God's saying you are the salt of the earth just your little bit can flavor a whole community. Just your little bit of salt can make a difference in a family, in a school, in a community, in a city, in Shepparton. Your little bit of salt. It doesn't take a lot. But what does salt do? It flavors. It makes things more appealing. God's saying that you make things more appealing. Secondly, salt preserves. It's a preserver. When, when, when Shane Hall, when he was a young man, they didn't have refrigerators, did they, Shane? And... <laughs> And the only way they could preserve their meat was they salted them, didn't they? You'd have the salt, the lamb outside the window and it'd be salted. So they preserved... I'm only joking, he's not that old. I'm only joking. So you salt food to preserve it. So salt's a preserver. As well as that, salt is a cleanser. It's used in cleaning. There are aspects of what salt does. And it works really quick. Do you know what I mean? The salt infuses the food really quickly. See, so the crucifixion and life of Jesus Christ, Jesus was the ultimate salt. See, Jesus was one man, fully God, fully man. But one human being, probably a bit taller than me, I'd say, but he didn't take up much more space than that on the earth. He, he wasn't big in his human form. But Jesus was the salt of the earth. He was salt sent from heaven. 
God took his salt shaker of heaven and shook and allowed fully God, fully man himself in the form of Jesus to come to the earth and be salt in this earth. So when Jesus came, he came upon a cross and was crucified. And on that cross, all the sins of humanity were put upon him. My sin, your sin was put upon that cross. He bore it upon himself. Then the Bible says on the third day, he rose again from the dead and he salted the earth. The crucifixion of Jesus salts the earth. It brings flavor to this earth. It brings preservation to this earth. When a life accepts Christ, there's a new flavor that comes into your life when you, you, you invite him into your heart. There's a preservation that comes into your life. You don't, may not have a refrigerator to, to chronologically, no, it's chronologically, what do you call that word? No, when you freeze it. Cries it, yeah, yeah, that's it, that's good, Yeah. Like I said, I'm a wordsmith. It's a gift. It's a gift from God. But people freeze themselves to last forever. But Jesus is the soul of the earth. He brings preservation. The Bible says that when you accept him, you have eternal life, that your soul will live forever. See, the soul of Jesus will cause your soul to live forever in eternity. As well, when we invite Christ into our heart, the soul of heaven cleanses us of our sin. It cleanses our spirit of all the junk. And that's why we need to invite the soul of heaven into our heart. And once we're preserved, once we have flavor, once we're cleansed, we become the salt of the earth. You can be flavor to your community. You can be flavor to your family. You can be flavor and preservation and cleansing to this town or the city of Shepparton. To your environment, you become salt. A little salt goes a long way. My second point is salt needs to be diffused. See, when you go to that restaurant and someone has played with that little cat, you go and all the salt pours out on your steak, it damages, it wrecks it. Too much salt is overpowering. So that's why we've got to diffuse our salt. If we all just hung out in church here every day, it's too concentrated. We're not doing anything with it. God wants us out in the community. That's why we have connect groups during the week. Church isn't just now. This is a window of church. Church is 24 hours a day. This is just one window so the community can see what we do, but there's more that we should be doing. You know, going to a connect group during the week and, and, and connecting with people, whether it's a walking connect or, or a, and special interest or a Bible study, opportunities for people to connect with God's house and God's ways. But even in your workplace, wherever you are, you are salt in that place. We are, we are, when we leave here, we are like diffused through Shepparton, influencing this workplace, this shopping centre, this family member, taking the salt of Christ to bring preservation, to bring cleansing, to bring flavour, to bring hope. If you don't use your abilities and your giftings, then you cannot fulfill who you're supposed to be. Like, if the salt stays in the, the, the little salt shaker, it's of no use, is it? It looks, might, might look good, there's salt. But that salt has to come out. That salt has to be used. And, and there's a scripture in the Bible about the parable of the stewards or the, or the servant. And that's a parable Jesus talks about. And I've talked about it a few times. And it's basically a parable where this master boss, you might say, he has three servants. And then he gives, he's going to go on a long journey. So he gives one of his servants five pieces of silver, let's say, five talents. And then he gives another one two, and another one one. So it tells me that the master knew the capacity of those servants. Like the master knew the servant's giftings and abilities, or he would have given five to the one with the one. The story will make sense in a second. 
And so he goes away, and the guy that has the five, the people that know the story is, he, he made five more. He got his salt, and he shook it out into the community. He traded with his gift. He got involved outside of his little world, and he took risks. And so he created five out of the five to have ten. And the guy that had two did the same, and he created another two, so he had four. And the master, when he came home, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. See, he praised the guy with the five as much as the two. It's about you taking what you have and you using that. It's not about somebody else's ability or they have this talent, that person can sing and that person can preach and that person's good with people. God's saying, take that little thing you have and you're faithful to that. You, you are responsible for that gift that you have. And then the guy that had the one, he buried it in the ground. He took no risk. He kept his gift or his ability and he kept it in that salt shaker. He did nothing with it. He didn't bring increase because the, pro the, the, the boss wants profit. The, the boss wants profit. The boss wants increase. It shows God's nature actually wants a profit out of us. God wants a, uh, what's the word? Not reward, but he wants to see an outcome from your life. Because at the end of the day, God is the master is what the story is saying about. And then the, the master ridiculed the guy that only had the one and buried it in the ground. So it does show us the heart of God wants us to exercise those gifts and abilities on our life. I tell you that story because that story of that parable really spoke to me many years ago. I, I went through a period where I never like spoke in public or preached for about five or seven years after being a pastor and a preacher. And I went through a period where I'd been involved in a church that grew really quickly. None of the churches I've talked about before. I've been in a lot of churches, it sounds like, doesn't it? But anyway, I've been around a long time. And the church grew to 500 people, really six months and I went on staff, was on the board and on the eldership and part of the pastoral team and preaching. And something really bad happened and I don't want to get into it, but the pastor and his wife had to leave. And uh, the church was shattered and we, we, me and another guy carried the church for about a year or six months. And the denomination put a new pastor in. A new pastor came in and just kind of wiped the slate clean and fired all the staff and laid everyone off and everyone in leadership. And just it was a bit of an old school mentality of going in and just cleansing the ship, you know. And a lot of people were hurt, and I continued on as a pastor in that church as a volunteer for about a year so that people, you know, I wanted to be faithful in whatever it was. And, and after about a year, we went to another church because we just felt to move on, we had to go to another church. And over a five or seven year period, I didn't preach. I was burnt, disillusioned, disillusioned with God. I paid the consequences for somebody else's sin, but I did nothing wrong. And that was, that was a, that's a bit of pill to chew. And that was a difficult journey, a period of darkness, really. It was a long time ago. But, you know, you still feel scars. But God healed me through it. But this is what I did. I didn't stop going to church. I didn't say, because they hurt me, Jesus, I stopped following you. Because that person did that, I stopped following you. On judgment day, I will stand before him and I'm responsible for my giftings and my abilities and my faithfulness. And I just went to church week after week after week. Did I want to know? But I wanted to be a witness to my little girls, my daughters. I had, my, my wife was pregnant when I lost my job in that and I had another daughter. So it was pretty full on. I was on unemployment benefits and it was just really tough time. But I just went to church. I don't want to be that guy that stops following God because of some circumstances. I don't want to stop halfway through a tunnel. 
I want to go through the tunnel and out the other side and believe that God is with me. So I kept being faithful and faithful and just went to church. And the pastor wanted me to get involved. And I think I did a bit of kids church or something at the time. But I wouldn't preach. I didn't want to get in front of people. I didn't feel like I had anything in me. I felt it was all over for me. As long as I can just get over the line as a Christian on the day I die and go to heaven, that'll be good for me. That's kind of where I was at. But after about five or so years, God started speaking this parable to me. And so what kind of servant are you going to be? Are you going to be the one that buries his gift in the ground? Is that going to be you? Are you going to be that guy? I was like, no, I don't want to be that guy. But I didn't have it, you know, inside of myself. I didn't have that. I want to. It was, oh, no. But over months and months and months, I just had to work through it. And I, I, the parable was just a motivating force to me. And then the pastor in my new church knew I was a preacher and, you know, known me and asked me to preach this one Sunday night. And I had a choice that day. I had a choice to go, no, it's too hard. I've been down that road. I'm not doing it again. Or I had a choice to go, I'm going to accept the challenge. I'm going to be the, 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 the servant that, that puts his hand to the plow again. And I preached and I got on the horse again. So can I encourage you? I decided, this is what I decided. I decided that I was going to fear the Lord than my own hurts. I was going to fear the Lord more than my own disappointments. I was going to fear him and the consequences of the master if I didn't follow and be obedient in him. My third point is, what's your lampstand? It's going to get positive here now, okay? A bit of a sad story, but it's, you know, it's, it's, it's got a good ending. I'm here, aren't I? I'm right, I'm standing up here, so it's got a good ending, so you know the outcome. What's your lampstand is my heading, my heading. And the scripture is Matthew 5, 14 to 16. And I think this is really a signature scripture for this church. And this is, the, continuing with the salt scripture, this is the next scripture on. God, Jesus goes from salt to talk about light. And he says, you are the light of the world. He's not talking about himself. He's actually saying you as a believer. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill can't be hidden. You know when you see these towns up, up on, on a mountain hill? Every day you can see them, but at night when things get dark and they turn their lights on. Sometimes in the darkest hour, you know, the light shines the brightest. And he says, you're like a town built on a hill. It can't be hidden. It can't be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. We don't go, we're going to turn the light on. We're going to, and we've got a candle. We'll put it in the middle of the room because the power's out. We're going, to, we're going to put a bowl over it. Just We don't want to be too bright. We, we don't want to be too kind of people see us. We've got to be really humble kind of thing. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds. Why? That your Father in heaven would be glorified. So you shining your light's not about you. It's you just be obedient to the calling and the giftings and, and the skills that he's put inside of you with the very little that you have. And as you're on your lampstand, then your good deeds are seen. Oh, the Bible says, don't let your deeds be seen. Well, this is saying, let your deeds be seen. Why? That God would be glorified. Not you, that he would be glorified. He's glorified today because I have continued as a profitable servant. But I want to ask this question. What's your lampstand? We're all the light. We're all the light of, of, of God. We're the light on this earth. But what's your lampstand? So there's different lampstands. You can buy an Ikea lampstand. You can buy some of those kind of colonial-looking things. You can buy a real retro-looking, cool kind of lamp. The light's the same light. You know what I mean? You, often it's the same bulb that will fit in all the lamps. But what's your lampstand? 
What is your place in this cosmos? What is your place on this earth? What is your gifting? What is your passion? What is your heart? What is the uniqueness of the spirit that God's placed in you? What lampstand is, floats your boat? Is it music? Is it administration? Is it is talking to people? Is it some kind of hobby? What, what is your lampstand? Because when you're on your lampstand, when you're in that place God has for you, when you're in that zone on, 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 in the center of the room on the lampstand that's unique for you, not the same as somebody else, but what is yours? Then your light shines so much more effectively, so much more efficiently, so much more better that then attracts other people who go, hey, I didn't know you could be in church and have a lampstand like that. I didn't realize you could dress like that and be a Christian. I didn't realize you could have a tattoo and be a Christian. I didn't realize you could have a haircut like Pastor Glenn and be a Christian. I didn't realize. I didn't. Um, no, it's a good haircut. It's a good haircut. I'm not picking on him or, or, or Shane. I'm not here to pick on people, please. I'm just having have fun at their expense. No, sorry. But it inspires people when you be you and be on your lampstand and your unique journey. You know what I mean? My journey of going through that struggle and that disillusion period, maybe somebody's in this room right now and you're going, that's where I'm right now. I want to tell you that God could take you out of the darkness and he could cause you to be a light again in a new season. Maybe it's not today. I needed to go through a period where I stopped and rested a season. But then I had to be ready when the season came again to jump up on the horse and say, okay, I don't really feel like it, but I'm going to do it. We're going to look at a story here of Gideon. I'll just finish before this story with this. See, when your light's shining on the right stand, you're opening the eyes of others in darkness. You know what I mean? Others are getting illuminated because of what you've been through and that you're in the place where you're supposed to be. And there's a story in the Bible of a guy called Gideon. This is a great story. Now, Gideon, it's in the Old Testament, and it's in Israel. And the Israelites are getting, they're like slaves. They're being persecuted by these people called the Midianites. And the Midianites took all their weapons, all their blacksmiths. They couldn't make tools. They couldn't make weapons. They, 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 it, it hamstrung them. It, it put them in bondage. Like their economy was up the creek, so to speak. They didn't have enough food because they couldn't harvest it. And, and the Midianites would come and steal their food. And, and they were really under great oppression. And this young man, Mid, um, Midian, Gideon, he's in a wine press, the Bible says. A wine press. He's hiding. He's actually in hiding out of fear in a wine press. And he's got some wheat and he's threshing the wheat, not in the place he's supposed to thresh it because people would see the Midianites would come and steal it. So he's threshing this wheat in a wine press in hiding and in fear. He's in the shadows just surviving. And an angel comes to him and says, oh, mighty man of valor, oh, mighty soldier. And he's like, who, me? That's not me. I'm not a, I'm not a mighty warrior. That's not who I am. See, God calls things out of you. He sees things in you that you don't see in yourself. God sees things in you. I've forgotten your name. What was your name? Sorry. Darren. Darren. God sees something in you that you can't even identify. And he calls it out of you. If you give your heart and follow, he will call that out of you. He sees things in us. He sees things in you that you don't even know. And he calls those things into being. Gideon, you are a mighty valor. You're a mighty warrior. Gideon says, hey, I'm from the weakest tribe of Israel. My family's the weakest fear family. And I'm the lowest of the lowest of my families. But God says, doesn't matter, I'm calling you. And so Gideon goes and rallies all of Israel. And he gets about 22,000 men to come and help him. 
to go and attack the Midianites. And so the Midianites are with his other crew called the Amalekites, and, and they all get together. And the Bible says that it was like an army as much as the sand on the seashore. I get this picture of like, you know, Lord of the Rings has been on the last few Saturday nights or whatever. And you've got this horde of evil-looking creatures and, you know, half-human. And, and the valley's just like full of them. And it's the sand of the seashore. That's what the Bible said it was like in this valley. And this enemy was there. And then Gideon's got this 22,000 men. And they're looking at attacking. And God says, no, there's too many. Gideon's like, what are you talking about? Well, you haven't got enough. And God says, no, if, if you guys win, you're going to give yourself credit. You're going to say, we did it in our own strength. We did it in our own flesh. We did it in our own ability. And he said, tell everybody who's scared or is afraid, who doesn't want to be there to go home. 12,000 leave. <laughs> I, would have, I would have thought it would be 22,000. And 10,000 are left. Gideon's like, oh, it's going to be a tough one. And then God goes, no, no, it's too many. If 10,000 with you and you win... I know what's going to happen. God goes, you're going to claim victory in your own strength and in your own abilities. And we've got these weapons and we've been training and we've got the slingshots and we're really good. We've been practicing and you'll, you'll revert back to taking credit. He goes, okay, tell all the men to go to the water and drink. And uh, those that kind of scoop down and just kind of lick with their mouths, they're going to be sent home. And the ones that get on their knee and get the water up like that, they're going to stay. I bet Gideon was praying, Lord, how many, how many, how many are going to go down like this? Only 300 did this. 300 from 10,000, it's 9,700, did it the wrong way or the different way. So Gideon's like, go, just go, all of you. There's 300 of them against this massive, mighty, incredible army. And then God gives him a plan and says, hey, you got 300 trumpets here. Everybody get their trumpet. 300 go to trumpet. And then they've got a candle, they've got some kind of oil lamp. There's 300 left because the, the 22,000, they've still got some supplies left. So he gives all the 300, one candle each, and a little clay jar that went over it. And then so they arrayed around the outside of this valley. The enemy are in the valley. It's night time. You can imagine they're drinking and partying and, oh, we're going to war tomorrow to kill the Israelites. You know, all that kind of festive Lord of the Rings stuff. <laughs> and then around the outskirts of, this, of the valley or up the hill a bit, Every couple of hundred meters, there'd be one soldier with his trumpet and with his candle or his oil lamp with a clay pot over it so you couldn't see it. And so they would distance all around, all around, all around the whole perimeter of this kind of valley. And then Gideon says, when I blow the trumpet and when I break my jar of clay and it breaks off and the light goes boom and you see it and you hear it, I want you all to do it. So he blows the trumpet, he hits the clay, the light gets exposed, and all around the whole valley on the edges, you would have gone boom, 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 300, one after another, going around and around and around. And there's this army that was at night, and they were revering, and all, they looked up, and they saw these lights going all the way around the stadium. They looked that way, they looked this way, they looked everywhere they could just see was these horns being blown, a sound being made, a, a light being lit. And see, in their minds, they're thinking not 300. They're thinking one light represents an army. See, the, the person at the front had the trumpet and they had the light. They're thinking behind each one of them is a mighty army. So they're thinking there's a huge enemy coming down to destroy us. We're in the middle of the night. We're trapped in the valley. And what came in was their own kind of selfish survival mode. Everyone's grabbing their gear to trying to run. They want to get out of the valley as quick as they can. The, the Midianites start killing the Amalekites and they, they started fighting each other. And all the Israelites had to do, the 300 of Gideon's men, was to stand their position. 
All they had to do was to blow that trumpet. They never had a weapon. They never had anything of military. All they had was a trumpet and a light. And they stood their ground and the enemy destroyed themselves in frenzy of paranoia. And I just want to say to you today, and they had a victory that day and the nation was set free. But in your life, let's get out of the shadows and let your voice be heard. Blow your trumpet, shine your light and leave the rest to God. Leave the rest to God. Let your voice be heard. Speak into the community of Shepparton. Speak into the community of this region. Speak a new word over this place. Let the sound of God through Encounter Church through your life be heard. And let the light that is a part of your life be opened up. Whatever the jars of clay that may be over you right now. Maybe it's old school thinking that needs to go. Maybe it's words that people have spoken over you. People have tried to direct your life and tell you you're this and this and this and you can't do this and you'll never be this. And they're like, they're like prisons for you. They're jars of clay. And God's saying, break the shackles of those jars of clay. Break them. It's going to take an effort. If you do the same thing, you'll get the same result. Maybe it's a change of thinking, a fresh perspective. Break the jars so that the light, the gift, the thing that God's put in you can be exposed, can shine. I have a saying that most people probably don't like in church, but I'm like, if you got it, flaunt it. It's challenging your thinking. If you got it, flaunt it. In other words, if you've got a gift in something, don't hide it. Expose it. When we don't release the gift that we have, we're actually, um, be, we're, we're actually doing a disservice to God. Do you know what I mean? If he's given you a gift, you're actually denying his creative power when you f- refuse to exercise it. If I could get the music musicians up, please, as I conclude. You are the salt of the earth. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. When you accept Christ and the salt of heaven comes into your heart, you bring flavor to your environment. You change the environment where you are because of who you are, because you are salt. You bring preservation, you bring flavor, and you bring cleansing. Without you, your environment would be tasteless. You bring the flavor to the environment that you walk into. Don't let the environment determine or dictate who you are. You dictate to it, not because of arrogance of who you are, but because of the salt of heaven and the light that God shines out of you. Find your lampstand. What is your lampstand? What is your unique lampstand for your light to shine on? Ask God, look for it, find it, find your place where He wants you to be. When you're not in that place you're supposed to be, you get frustrated. The people around you get frustrated. I've been there. But when you're in the place that God wants you, there's a thriving in your heart. There's a thriving of those that are around you. Blow your trumpet. Break those jars that are over your life that are limiting who you are. Let the light that's in you come out. Use the gifts and the abilities He's given you because you're the light of the world. Come out of the shadows and arise, shine. Isaiah says, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. If we could just stand this morning, I'd like to pray over us as a church. If you feel comfortable, if you could just kind of, even if you just want to lift your hands a little bit as an act of surrender. And I'm going to pray over you and this church and us as individuals.
And just open your heart right now. Heavenly Father, I just pray for every person in this room, Lord. Every soul, every circumstance, every past story, Father, whatever they've been through, Lord. Nothing is lost and nothing is wasted, Father. And that there is a bright hope ahead as we trust in You. I pray that You would help people see a new revelation of who they are in You and who You are in them. I pray, Father, You'd let the gifts and callings bubble up within people that that have pushed it away, Father. I pray that You'd help people see the jars that are over them, the thinking, Father, the past thoughts that aren't of You, but they think they're of You, Father. Help them smash them, Father, and let that light inside radiate, Father, to destroy enemies. I pray, Father, You'd give people a voice that haven't had a voice, that a sound would come out of their souls, my God, a new sound that they didn't even know was within them, Father. I pray by Your Holy Spirit, You would do that in Jesus' Name. In Jesus' Name. Thank you for listening to this message. To stay in touch with Encounter, follow us on Instagram at encounter.cc or find us on Facebook at encounter.shepparton.